Welcome back to CHGO Bears After Dark, presented by DraftKings. Make sure, make sure you use the code CHGO when you sign up. Uh, back and better than ever, I'm your host, Greg Braggs Jr. Alongside me, as always, is our guy, lead expert analyst, former Chicago Bear, once took down a Green Bay Packers legend and put him in the turf, Corey Wooten. What's what's up, Braggs? How you doing, man? How you doing, man? <laughs> it was like that's some intro there. I <laughs> oh, there we go. I didn't want to make fun of you know the fact that you almost killed him because I know you don't like to brag about that, but <laughs> at the same time, like I mean, it's Brett Favre and nobody likes you, him. You know, so. you know what the funny thing is? I've seen a clip, and you probably seen this too, when he was talking about the play that happened. He's like, "Yeah, somebody pushed me." He just like, there's a little push, and I was like, "Bro, stop it." It's a little nudge. Come on, man. Um, but yeah, it's it's, well, it's I mean, funny. Yeah. It's funny when I saw that. It's, it's just funny because I'm like, yep, just a little push. <laughs> well, maybe he's onto something. I mean, I've been around you. You're not that strong, Corey. I mean, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not as strong as Carm. So <laughs> <laughs> strong with the strong with the takes. Because uh, we were just yeah. talking about it here before the show started, you know. Uh, uh, I know you, you, the Bajan era might be over here. That's what the headline of this show is. Like, is are we moving back to fields? He's now been upgraded from you know last week. Matt Eberflus ruled him out right away to start the week, even though they had a whole seven days until their game was going to be played this week on short rest. He's not ruling him out. He's saying day to day. Uh, so that leads some to believe that he just may Justin Fields just may make his return and maybe the Bajent little uh, tryout era is over. I I have a hard time believing he's going to play this week. I, I think because it's such a short week, I think they might wait to the following week just because then you'll have additional rest time. So I, I think they'll probably activate him if, if they need him. But I, I have a hard time thinking that he's going to play this week un unless he just feels that much better um, and ready to go. Just because I feel like with the short week, it just buys him some, some more re recovery time uh, going into that following week. So, but yeah, let's get into Bajan, right? I think people were, were so excited about him and, you know, because the quarterback situation in Chicago has been so up and down, right? Justin Fields has two back-to-back -back good games, right? Denver, Washington, right? Finally plays, the way that we know he can play, right? Play calling is A1. Mm -hmm. Then the Minnesota game happens. Don't really see anything. Bajan comes in, does pretty well. Then the next game, plays against the Raiders. He does well. And then the following two weeks, really struggles. So I, I think he's – he gets the ball out quick, right? I feel like he's confident. Uh, he tucks the ball. He's, he's mobile as well. I just don't see him being – starter in this league um you know i think he could be a a, a quality backup but i i just think like pump people need to pump the brakes about yeah especially Carm. Carm. i mean he's, he's oh he, he was, was he was all in on him he was all in on him he's um, all in and now you know he's like oh we didn't say this we didn't say that and yeah. at one point he did say after bajan beat the raiders he did say uh, if you had to win one game right now, who are you taking, Bajan or Fields? And he said Bajan. <laughs> I don't know what the rest of us said. Yeah. Well, I, no, I, I, just think, I think it comes down to the play calling, right? Like, and I, I think you look at this game, Braggs. 
They had five turnovers, right? And we still almost won the game. How many opportunities did we have down the stretch to still win the game, right? Yeah. Before to 17. So even after five turnovers, you're still in this game. I mean, the Saints gave us every opportunity to win this game, and we still couldn't get it done. So Bajit made some bad decisions. You know, he made some really good throws to Cole Komet and company. Like, those yeah. touchdown throws, great plays. Uh, he looked confident. You know, we, we was tucking the ball, running, uh, some of the quick throws. But I think ultimately, like, he struggled when, when the coverages were baiting him, right? They were showing him different looks, disguising some things. And he really struggled with that. And I think that's what, that's what's been evident the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, everybody knows that I'm a, I'm a big Justin Fields fan. I think he has all the talent in the world. He needs to get better, right? And I think the coaching staff needs to do a better job. And I think ultimately they're, they're showcasing that maybe they don't – they're not going to be here next year. I think that's what it comes down to. But I, I, it, it just stinks because he's so talented – and we've seen it when everything is together with the coaching, him playing well, what they're capable of, what he's capable of. And yep. we it's something we talked about. I think ultimately they're going to have to make a decision, right? Are we are we going to are we going to stick with him or are we going to go elsewhere, right? Are we going to move on from him? And I think um, when he comes back and how he plays is going to be a big determining factor on what they do uh, next year. But oh, I'm just hundred percent. It's going to. I mean, and it's going to be a tall order for him. I mean. You know, they, the people say, you know, whether he's healthy is going to be the biggest determining factor of obviously whether he's ready to play this Thursday or not. But ideally, I think if you're in the field's camp or you're his agent or his family or, or you're Justin Fields himself, I think you'd prefer to play this week as your first game back over the Lions, even though you get a little longer time to rest. I mean, he's, he's mm. resting his thumb. It's not like he hurt his ankle. You know what I mean? So I know he's chomping at the bit to get back out there. It's just a matter of uh, grip strength. Can he grip onto that ball? Because he's not going to do himself favors if he tries to rush back and he can't grip the ball, makes mistakes throwing or, you know, fumbling, you know, in the pocket or whatever. But then at the same time, if he's, I don't know what percentage you'd have to put on it to be ready to play, but, you know, I just think the Panthers are the better team to shake off the cobwebs i mean he hasn't played in a month yeah. he hasn't played in a month he's gonna have a hurt thumb the rest of the year to what degree we don't know and he's got all this pressure on him to prove it like you're saying like i've been saying for a long time here uh this being a maker to break it year for him and coaches and it's like this is just gonna be such a tall order for him a tall mountain to climb with all these variables and oh by the way a defense that continues to give up 25 plus points per game, which puts you in a shootout, which causes you to have to do things outside of your game plan to try to keep up, which causes mistakes. And that that's, that's the trickle down effect. And so, you know, obviously I think we're all excited to get Justin Fields back and see what he can do to try to put a, a statement on who he is in this city and to Ryan polls, the GM, but at the same time with all these different variables coming into play, I'm keeping my expectations, you know, tempered mm -hmm. for yeah. what, what he can actually do because I'm, I'm honestly worried that it's not going to end well. And that's kind of where I'm at at this point. And if it goes the other way and he plays great, then I'll be pleasantly surprised, but I just don't feel good about how this is going to end for Justin Fields and the bears. Yeah. It's, it, it's a tough situation. I think whenever he comes back, stick to the game plans that were working this season, right? Whether it was the Denver game, the commander's game, 
when you were able to work the play action, get him on the move, um, do, do things that he does well. And I think that's the key with that Raiders game, right? That's what they were able to do with Bajan, right? They didn't put too much pressure on him. I think that's why he did really well. But Justin Fields, I think once you get him on the move, you get him some some short intermediate throws, then all of a sudden he gets confident and you see his game elevate. So I think that's a big thing. It's 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 like a basketball player, right? Once they once they hit that first shot, right? They're ready to go. Or they get that first dunk, then they get that confidence. So yep. I think I think going forward, whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Bajan, whether it's Justin Fields, you have to game plan for what they do well and what their strengths yep. are. I thought I thought Getsy did a great job in that Oakland game, right? He really took the pressure off him. And then all of a sudden, uh, the Chargers game, he put too much pressure on him. He's having him air it out more than they're running the football when they're running the ball so effectively. So it's like kind of I didn't I didn't understand that. So Lou Getsy going forward. Let's rely on the running game. Let's work play action off it. Let's get these quarterbacks on the move because I think that's what they do well. Well, the nice part about it, uh um, that works in field's favor. If he is to return here on Thursday, and it seems like other, a lot of other guys are starting to return. Will Herbert, Jaquan Brisker, Tyreek Stevenson, Josh Blackwell, and Equinamia St. Brown, all full participants in practice today, taking off, um, you know, IR and, and the injury list. And so now you're starting to get some of your roster back and, you know, the offensive line has started to come together. They were creating good pockets for Tyson Bajant. Um, you know, they've started to cr- open some running lanes for Deontay Foreman. Really enjoying what I'm seeing from Tevin Jenkins here lately. I know you got to be too, man, as the, oh, yeah. the, as the trenches overlord of this show. Yeah. I mean, now I'm even starting to appreciate just the, the beast mode that he goes in, you know, you, you can see it and you don't have to be an offensive line expert. I mean, he, he bull rushes dudes. It's impressive to watch. Yeah, it's great to see he's an old school type player, man, driving people into the ground, playing to the to the whistle. And I think for playing next to a rookie, Darnell Wright, I think it's so great to have a guy like Tevin Jenkins because he's smart. He's been in there. He's able to help him out in certain situations. And you look on the other side when he was next to Larry Borum, he helped Larry Borum, especially in that Washington game. I believe he came back for right. The, the O-line was playing well. So I think it's a lot better to have a veteran guy that's a leader that's established himself as a productive player to be on your side. So I think it's helping Darnell Wright mature and grow. And I think uh, Tevin Jenkins, when, when he's in there, he's healthy. I mean, I, I got to say he's one of the best guards in the league. And I'm not just saying that just because he plays for the bears, it's the proof is in the pudding, you know, how he is in the run game, his pass protection. He is a great player. So they have a decision that they have to make, right? Because he has an injury history but I think when he's out there, he's just so effective. So maybe, maybe they're going to have to make a contract that's incentive-based. Maybe, you know. Well, I I, I believe he still has one more year left on his yep. deal. G- Gary can correct me if I'm wrong because he always does in the chat. Yeah. He tried to correct me on who I said was on the injured list and who yeah. was on IR, but I always lean on Gary for but, don't, uh, but don't you think don't you think it's a guy that that you would probably get now for a better price opposed to he finished the season strong next year he has a great season and then all of a sudden you're like Ooh. I I just don't as gr- as great as he's played since he's returned I don't think you can give him an, a contract extension without seeing him play it through next year because if he gets hurt again you it, it's just as talented as he is and he's very talented I I just don't know I. Mean, I mean, it, your ability, your availability is your best ability is the old mm-hmm. adage in football. And 
he's talked a lot about getting into yoga and, and really focusing on his nutrition and, and trying to stay healthy. Uh, and that's great. And I, and I'm hoping that's the case, but I think he really has to prove it the rest of this year through the off season. And then you have him next year in his fourth year as the mm-hmm. chat's starting to uh, remind, remind us of, and then, and then make your assessment next year, even if there's a little bit of a money risk. I, I, ha- I mean, to me, you just can't depend on him. That's unfortunate, uh, but he's got back issues. He's a big guy. You got him in the, in the tra- You got him on the inside too, where, you know, and you'd know this better than I, but I just feel like the guys on the inside, as opposed to the tackles take a little bit more of a beating. So, you know, it's a tall order. I hope it works out for him because we're trying to check boxes in the trenches, and, you know, left guard with Tevin right guard with Nate Davis. If we can ever get him right. And Darnell right at right tackle check, check, check Braxton Jones. I know you've been down on him. I'd love to hear while we're in this offensive line conversation, how did, how did you feel? Cause it was his first game back. Another guy that's returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a few penalties, but then there's other people that said beyond that, they thought he had a pretty good game. What did you see from Braxton Jones against the new Orleans saints? Yeah. I thought he had a pretty good game with his first game back. Obviously conditions an issue, right? They were mixing and matching him with Borum. Um, you know, they were going to give him a full, full plate out there with his first game back, but I thought he looked pretty good. His sets were good. Um, yeah, you got to eliminate the penalties, but that's expected with your first game back. I just don't know if he's the future at left tackle, right? I, I think the verdict's still out, right? If, if you have an opportunity this off season, uh, to get a, a legitimate shutdown left tackle, I think you have to do that, right? Yeah. Because whatever quarterback's in there, whether you feel confident with Justin Fields or you go elsewhere, you really got to protect that blind side. Um, so I think they have a decision to make. Um, we were hoping that we see a little bit more. I know he's been banged up a little bit this season. Well, he's he's but- in the same boat as Fields. Like I've been saying, I said it yesterday during the game on Twitter, I go, he's going to have to really prove it here in these last nine games for them to not strongly consider drag. Cause we don't know where these picks are going to be, but it's a very educated guess that one of these picks is going to be in a spot where these two top left tackles are going to be, whether it be the guy from Notre Dame or Penn state that everybody's big mm-hmm. on. And so, you know, he's going to have to really prove it. Cause to your point, I mean, to have an opportunity to have a right tackle and a left tackle that are both top 10 talent, you, that's just, I mean, as good as, as great of a story and a find as Braxton Jones has been, that's a hard talent to pass up, you know, at a key position for your Look team. at Detroit, look at Detroit, right? They both first rounders at left tackle, right tackle. They've held up really well. Um, I, I think that's how you build teams and back, back to the Tevin Jenkins conversation, right? So I, so let's say he finishes the season, right? Plays, plays at the same level he's playing right now, continues to elevate it. Um, so you don't think going into the offseason, right, if he if he proves that that he's this talented player that we know he is, you don't get him on a contract where it's 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 kind of protects you, where it's based on active games, things like that. You know, you lock him I, up. Yeah, I mean, if there's a if there's a deal that's that that, like you said, has some clauses in it and the money is a little more team friendly, so to speak, because he has to acknowledge kind of his career is gone. Sure. I mean, uh, then, then I'll consider it. Uh, but is Tevin going to want to do that? Or is he going to want to bet on himself? That's, that's, that's an interesting question to ask because, yeah. you know, I mean, if, if they throw him 
they offer him any type of money, I think that financial security for somebody that has had an injury history would be something he'd have to consider. Exactly. Yeah. I, I just, I just think like, especially if he finishes the season, like, like we, we know he can, uh, I think this, the talent is there, but obviously, right. In, injuries are always a concern for some guys, right? Like um, I know Chase Young, a lot of people were big on getting him, but I know like him having that knee injury and, and potentially some um, cartilage damage, right? Like, people look at what happened with Todd Gurley, right? They knew he had this cartilage damage and he played five good years and then kind of fell off after that because of the knee issue. So it definitely is a concern. Um, but I think there's a lot of guys that play with back issues like Roger Saffold, who's, who's still playing, I think to this day at a pretty high level, he's a guy that's battled back shoulder injuries and still played at a high level. So he's kind of, he kind of reminds me a lot of Roger Saffold, like really strong guy, old school finish you um, tough uh, plays through injuries when he needs to. So I'm just hoping um, Tevin Jenkins can stay healthy this year. And uh, I think he's a force when he's out there. I think he's one of the better guards. In the he league. definitely is that. I mean, and you could argue he's the best offensive lineman on this team when he's healthy, even oh, 100%. over, Dar even over Darnell, right? right yeah. Now. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, I think Darnell Wright's ceiling might be a little higher, but damn Tevin Jenkins, he's it, a bull um, isn't he the only guy that players. hasn't allowed uh was it was it a pressure this year or wasn't there a stat like that he has i haven't seen that stats somebody in the chat might have seen it gary okay. get on it gary god damn yeah, it I thought but uh, a stat, you like, saw getting... you saw at one point olin Cruz put it on twitter where he took a guy on a on a run play 10 yards and then yeah. flatlined him you yeah. saw then i saw another guy put out a, a tweet really good stuff where on bajan's second touchdown throw to Cole Komet he's pulled they're pulling Tevin Jenkins to the left side and he's supposed to block the guy to his left but sees that the tight end Mercedes Lewis who stayed in the block gets beat and changes his trajectory to help Mercedes Lewis yep. keeps that pocket keeps it enough time for Bajan to make the throw and then right before Bajan makes the throw now that Mercedes has come back down and anchored back down he comes off to a guy who's kind of delayed rushing uh, that kind of presence of mind uh, that kind of understanding to know where the point of attack to, to, to focus yeah. on in a crucial down right there on the goal line to help your quarterback throw a touchdown. You, that's just something you can't teach, you know, to an extent that's a, that's, that's a, that's a mentality. That's a um, awareness that I just yeah. thought was off the charts there by Tevin J. And so, it, you know, he's got the brute strength. We've seen that, but just to, to sh that awareness that was on display there, I was really impressed with. Yeah. It's, it, it's just such a difference when he's in there. Like he is the biggest impact player. Um, you can make an argument on that offense, right. In general, like when he's out there, Darnell Wright or whatever tackle he's next to is doing better. Like he makes everybody around him better. Um, and I, I think that's why I'm so high on him. Obviously, like, yeah, there's injury concerns and things of that nature. But I think for a guy that's that talented and much of an impact, you, you got to think about the possibility of, of potentially getting him on a good deal for yourself, a friendly deal a year early before his contract, especially if he finishes the season strong. I think you just got to look at it. I'm not saying 100% you got to do it, but you got to look at it. Yeah. And um, I agree with Bear Truth Nine here as we're just focusing on the old line. And that's what I want to do. You know, everybody says all we talk about is quarterback on this 
show. Adam Hogue's calling me out. All you want to talk about is a quarterback. So we're focusing on the trenches two weeks in a row, Hogue. So yeah. take that. Uh, Bear Truth <laughs> says, so center will be an interesting one to watch and see how we fill that position. Doug Kramer gets picked up off the waiver wire uh, by the Arizona Cardinals. You know, a backup center that never really got an opportunity here out of Illinois. Uh, wish him the best, but I agree that will be an interesting because they had an opportunity to draft a center. There were some quality centers coming out in the second round, and uh, Adam Hogue really wanted John Michael Schmitz, who was picked, I think, the uh, pick right after Javon Dexter, uh, and they didn't draft him, which is frustrating to me because you would have then went into next year with a second, you know, second year center who's got his feet under him. Now, you know, people will be like, oh, you got to draft a center. Well, they have the number one, they have two first round picks that potentially could be top five, whatever they end up being. But then they don't have another pick until the third round to this point, unless trades happen, which they certainly could. To me, I don't know if you're going to find a center because then you're really hoping this guy can, a third round center is going to pick yeah. it up quickly when you're trying to win next year. You know, we've been tanking enough. I, I can't stand that I'm already talking about tanking this year, but it's just where we're at. And to me, I'm got, I've am got i got to look at my money on the free agent, you know, free agency before the draft and attack that center position then before the draft hits. No, I, I agree with you. You got you to see what the options are and what gives you the best. Because how many times have we had just awful snaps, centers getting beat this year, um, and it's it's something that's been very detrimental to this offense, right? You, the one game was it was it um, the Raiders game? I think there was like fifteen to seventeen bad snaps in that game, right? I believe that was that game, the Raiders game, was it or was that Minnesota? Yeah. Oh yeah. my. Uh, no, that was the Minnesota game because oh. it was Fields had half the bad snaps and then Bajan had the other half. It, it was awful. It's like they're playing basketball, getting a rebound. Like you 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 can't play quarterback. When you're ha when you're having to to get the ball like up here down there, it, it, it just can't happen. And then last game, every game we're seeing consistent bad snaps. We don't see other teams having the same problem, so they they got to address that. Um, center's a huge position. We talked about left tackle, um, obviously the defensive line as well. Those are you know we got Sweat. Um, he made he made his debut. Um, yeah, what'd you think? I'd like to hear what you thought of Montez Sweat. Now switch it over. Yeah, to the so defensive side. I, I thought I thought it was okay. I mean, my my thing is I'm thinking, just got signed to the team, trying to figure out right. the defense, what's going on. There's a lot of moving parts. So obviously, like yeah, he said after the game, he's like, once I know the plays, I'll be able to play faster. It, exactly. He, he looked like he played very slow, and and that's ultimately what I thought. Right, coming to a new team, you're, you're thinking, okay, what plays I got here? He's probably asking guys in, in the huddle, like, hey. What do I have right here? And then you're worried about messing up. So I take this this game with a grain of salt. I feel like it's going to take a couple of games for him to play fast because when you're thinking, you're never playing fast. When I saw him play the Bears earlier this year, he's flying off the balls. The run game was great, but he was thinking. I mean, so I I, I give him a pass on these next couple of games until he figures stuff out. But um, especially in pass rush, I just want to see him get off the ball, right? Pass rush is usually universal, right? There's, there's an exit stunt, there's a Texas stunt, and there's straight rush. So on, on those pass rush situations, just, um, you know, pin your ears back and, and, and go. All the other stuff, hey, you might have to figure some stuff out. But in pass rush, I want to see you use that long arm stab that I've seen you do the past couple of years. One of the best guys in the league at that. So that's what I want to see this next game. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing to me when 
and everybody keeps talking about it. And I think I had it screenshotted somewhere. I might have to try to pull it up while we're talking about this, but um, it was a list of the sack totals for Matt Eberflus defense all the way dating back to like 2018. And they're never as a team ranked very highly. And that's the thing that concerns me a little bit. I understand that his defense is kind of predicated on, you know, the Tampa two and, and you spoke at length last week. And I thought it was a really good episode kind of understanding the, the strengths of the Tampa two, but I'm trying to understand why Matt Eberflus's teams never, I mean, he's had good defenses in Indy mm. and last year I thought they scrapped pretty damn hard for a team that didn't have much talent, but for whatever reason, the numbers show, and I'll try to pull them up while, while I throw this to you, but, the numbers show that he's never really had great sack total as a team for, yep. you know, five years or so now. It's been the turnovers for them that's been key, right? Like, they, they've been really good at turning the ball over, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah turnovers so I, are I, always key. Yeah, I think, I think that's what and, – and they're not getting turnovers, right? The, the past two years, not many turnovers. So I think that's, that's kind of the determining factor. And usually in the Tampa 2 a lot of times, right, like – Maybe it's deceiving because they were generating better pressure, the rushing cover. So a lot of those turnovers are picks, sack fumbles, you know, other fumbles they force from from running to the football. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just tough because in this Tampa too, and we talked about it, it, it's relied on the rush. There's no rush. The past two years has been non-existent. Hopefully Sweat helps with that. I mean, I think he's a major upgrade. I think he's a great player. Um, once he can play fast, great. But going into this offseason, that's, that's one player, right? We need multiple yep. options. We need waves. You look at San Francisco, they have waves of dudes. Philly's got waves of dudes. And that's that's how you win championships. That's how you compete. That's how you make opposing quarterbacks turn the ball over. That's how you make them look irrelevant um, is by that defensive line. And, yeah, there's, there's, there's games where you see Patrick Mahomes struggle where Jalen Hurts has struggled when opposing defense have got after him. So pressure, I mean, it, it, it really, it's really tough for quarterbacks once they get pressure in their face to, to, to be able to maintain that pocket, to be able to have that confidence and not be able to want to get the ball out quick and make Aaron throws. So pressure, pressure uh, is key. And we just haven't seen that. So going forward. Um, yeah. I, I think after the season, I think we could all agree that, we don't think the staff is going to be here. I think we can all agree on that, right? Unless, unless there's some miraculous comeback, and but I, but I just highly doubt it. You know, when, when well, heard- and that's the thing. When 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 they start playing well, like they were for the first half, I'm like, damn it, I want them to play well. I'm a Bears fan. I want them to win. But then when they start playing well, I'm like, god damn it, now they're going to keep these coaches because yeah, I do think it's imperative that they make a coaching change, and I don't think. It's overreactionary. Everybody's there. I get some people that come at me like, oh, you know, you're not being patient. Everything's fire. Everybody get rid of everybody. I don't know, man. Last week, last year, I could give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, they're in the middle of a rebuild and a tank this year. My expect, I, okay. Maybe my expectations were a little too high at nine wins is what I thought they would have. But at the same time to look as like, they scrapped better last year. I mean, the eye yeah. test to me, tells me i know they're they're doing better in run defense i could also counter that by saying you know that's because they they give up a lot on the pass so teams don't have to run as much but 
I'll give them credit. They they've been better in run defense. Andrew Billings has been a nice addition, but at the same time, it just doesn't feel like they scrap like they did last year. Yeah, they they were they played Philly down to the wire. They played Miami down to the wire. So many games the, the, against the really good. Yeah, Bills, good competition that even the defense that didn't have the rush, didn't have, uh, you know, the talent that they have this year, and they were playing better, turning the ball over from these talented quarterbacks. So it, I, it's it's very frustrating. And, um, yeah, I just I just don't get the vibe um, that Poles and company are still behind Iberflus. Like he had an interview, and just the way he, just the way he looked when they asked him, it was like, it looked like he was lying through his teeth. I could be completely wrong and overlooking this, but he asked about, you know, do you trust Matt Eberflus? Um, yeah, it's just, I just, I just don't know how you could when you have much more talent and you are underperforming, right? And you right. said that they played better last year. It was scrappy, right? They played down to the wire. They played with heart. Um, you just don't see that this year. It doesn't seem like the same team. Um, they didn't have yeah. one game that, and okay. You want to throw the chiefs game out? Cause the chiefs are the chiefs. Maybe not from what I heard from the tea leaves of how that team demeanor was in the second quarter of that game. But if you want to wipe that away, fine. But then the chargers game, it happens again. And it's like, to me, you didn't have one game that looked like that all of last year. Yeah. It's it, it, the final week of the season when they, they're clearly trying to get the number one pick. I, exactly. And to me, that's, that's unacceptable. And, and you also look at the aspect when it comes to Luke Getz and Eberflus, this is what I talk about a lot. Like, okay. They seem to be learning on the job, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the other aspect of it is the small adjustments that are obvious to a guy like me, you might like, if you come up with an observation, that's like Eureka. Oh, you know, Corey's played this game. He knows something that the average fan's not going to know. But if I'm saying something that they end up adjusting to four weeks later, like on fourth and short tush pushes, I brought up a hundred times. It took them five weeks to, to change their goal line and short yardage, you know, game plan to a tush push where the rest of the league had already done that. The, yeah. It took them how long to start blitzing Matt mm -hmm. Eberflus. This is your defense. We've been talking about it. Hey, sorry, Matt. I know you want to get home with four, but you can't. So you've got to try something else. Brian Baldinger, you were saying it. All these other people. But fans, regular fans who shouldn't know better than the head coach of the Chicago Bears were saying it. And you know how you proved them right, Matt Eberflus? You ended up doing it. But you, it took too little too late, in my opinion. So, so I just think some of those minor adjustments are, are big red flags. Aside from how he's handled the Chase Claypool thing, aside from how he's handled the Alan Williams thing, which is also a testament to his leadership or lack thereof. So I, I've got a lot of questions, and I wasn't thrilled with how Ryan Poles, to, you know, spoke so glowingly of him last week. You know, I think he could have yeah. been a little more hardline. Yeah, I, I think he was trying to cover <laughs> cover the basis on, on that one. But you know, I, I look at it, and I look at the Minnesota game this weekend. Right, they play the Falcons. Um, Kirk Cousins goes down the week before they trade for Dobbs, right? Dobbs has no experience playing in this offense. Really, really, he doesn't even know the guys on the team. Like they were saying, he didn't even know some of the people's name he was throwing to and, and on, on their offense or whatever. They game plan for him, right? And he does pretty well, right? He's efficient, throws two touchdowns, doesn't turn the ball over, right? 
I think that's just a mark of a good coach, Kevin O'Connell, like coming up with a plan for a guy that just got here. You know, obviously I've seen his tape in Arizona, but he doesn't know anything about this offense. Let's dumb it down for him. Let's get him confident. And what do they do? They get a win and now they're five and four. Right. And they got a chance in the NFC yep. North now. Right. They got a chance to make the playoffs because of a good coach. Right. He was able to turn things around when they started. What was it? One and four. I think they started one and four. Yep. Yep. And Kirk could Cousins you imagine Luke Getzey? Could you imagine Luke Getzey and Matty Rufus trying to put a quarterback out there that got there three days ago? You know what I mean? They like, can't even get a quarterback. Get Justin Fields team. has been here for three years. Like, you right. Know. They, they can't get on the same page and execute with these guys for how long. And, but and is, isn't, that, it, I, isn't that just so revealing, like, about where this team is and, like, where – Well, yeah, others. I mean, look at The Bears couldn't figure out how to operate an offense with P.J. Walker. He goes to the Cleveland Browns, and they won a couple games with the guy. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, here, P.J. Walker – P.J. Walker looked pitiful. Yep. And I understand he didn't – he didn't have some you know glorified record or resume coming out of carolina you know he did a couple things as a starter yeah. last year but it's not like his stats were that good but he looked incompetent at camp in preseason yep so i i think it's just the mark of the coaching and and it just has to stop like I, you know, honestly like I, I just don't think we can go on with this experiment anymore at this point because ultimately what really sucks about it right we should have seen tremendous growth from justin fields right I, I've said this from the beginning. Yeah, there's some things that he needs to improve and do. But I think the thing is, we thought they were going to game plan well for him. And we saw in two games what he was capable of, right? And he didn't even he didn't even play to the, the fullest of his potential, right? Those were those were two sample sizes where, yeah, he played well, um, left some left some stuff on the table. But we thought this was going to be a huge year where he'd improve. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, he's improving. We have our franchise quarterback. We know that. And now it's like in limbo, right? Oh, I don't know if we've seen enough from him. What do we have from him? Oh, we might have to move on. And then all of a sudden, this coaching staff created this situation. So it's another essentially wasted year, right? We'll see how the season finishes. But ultimately, this is a wasted year because this is a team that should have been competing for the NFC North. Honestly, this Green Bay, they're not even a factor. I didn't think they were going to be a factor before the season started. I thought I thought Minnesota was a very beatable team. Um, I thought Detroit was the one that you're really like, okay, I got to watch out for them. Um, but this this was a this was a, a NFC North that they should have been competing for, and they're not they're not even close in the hunt, right? It's it's yep. it's, it's, it's very disappointing, Braggs. It, it really is because I thought this would be a year where they would get maybe nine or ten wins and be competitive and and show, hey, you know, our offense is proven. We got the weapons defensively. We're improving as well. But we've seen none of that, right? We've seen two games, one game complete football, really. We're talking about the commanders game offensively and defensively, but as a whole, yep. one game, a complete game. Yep. Um, I'm hoping some of my, my microphone issues, I'm seeing some people in the chat saying that I'm yeah. breaking up. So I'm trying to circumvent that. Am I getting, are you getting that on that yeah. end, Corey? Yeah. Well, why didn't you say something? See, now I'm going to blame you. Well, I, I don't know because I, I, I do I do another show where it sounds like that on here, but it isn't on the actual so I didn't know. I don't want you know what? Now you're like Matt Eberflus. You're making excuses. I throw you under the bus <laughs> and now you're and 
now you're making excuses. I apologize. I'm not really sure what I can do here in the moment. I'm not only on the show, but I'm also the producer of this show. So it's not easy to do both things at once. A man that wears many hats. Yes, Corey, I'm very talented. Uh, going back to my stats that I wanted to tell you about. Matt nice stat, man. I'm a stat man. You know what? What movie is that from? What movie, uh, what scene are you are you referencing a movie? Because if you are, I'll tell you. I'm not referencing a movie. I'm just I'm I'm referencing like the dances when I was in middle school. Yeah. Man, I don't know. They played that stuff. Not, and... man, you know what that's yeah. from? That's from nothing to where I remember it from is from nothing to lose with Martin Lawrence and Tim Robbins. Oh, that's a good where, one. Do you remember that movie? And he's got yep. the spider on his head. And Martin Lawrence is like, yo, there's a spider on your head. And Tim Robbins is like, I don't know what that lingo means. He's like, it means there's a spider on your motherfucking head. And then he jumps <laughs> out of the car and he starts dancing around. And then he, he had, it's a long story, but he had yeah, I've, I've seen uh, movie. gasoline a gasoline on his shoes that his shoes light on fire. And then that's when that song comes on. It's all right, stat, man. Scene. Let's get to the stats. All right. All right. God damn to the stats, to the stats. It's always so serious with you. Uh, 2018 for Matt Eberflus's defense with the Colts, 38 sacks, ranking 28th in the league. 2019, 41 sacks, ranking 16th. 2020 with the Colts, adding DeForest Buckner, they had 40 sacks, ranking 13th in the NFL. 2021, 33 sacks, ranking 25th in the NFL. Uh, all 16 game game sample sizes. The bears are currently on pace to have 20 dead last in the NFL, 13 fewer than the worst Colt team that he had. And he also, this guy, Kyle, uh, um, Kyle Benhart, who provided these stats for me. And he said, and by the way, we all know five of those sacks from this year came against the Washington commanders in one game. So that makes it even more sad and i when he put that it was like yeah i mean we always knew that you know the the sacks weren't like the the story of the matt eberflus defense but when you put it in these terms with these rankings it kind of puts in display why this i don't know if this is going to work i know you're a big tampa two guy Corey, but i i just don't know we keep talking about how they need to get to the quarterback they need to generate sacks but the stats are showing me here that Matt Eberflus's defense don't predicate that. But hold on, you you said forty sacks. That's that's a decent amount. Like what did they the Bears said, have last one year? What, what, what did they have last year, year total? One, they had seven yeah, as a defensive one, line. Yeah, they had last ten year. as a defensive line last year. Nineteen total. Uh, Jaquan Brisker yeah. leading the team with four. Exactly. Um, yeah, nineteen. Terrible. This year they're on pace for twenty. So, uh, yeah, so forty four, of thirty-eight. That's had, that's manageable. They, well, th- in 2018, 38 sacks ranked 28th in the NFL. But that, so I, that's a lot better four, than four, right now. <laughs> well, we, we would, yeah. Brax, we would kill for 38 sacks right now. Come on, bro. The past <laughs> well, two years. We need a higher bar here for our standard, too, though. But, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, I think teams like Philly and San Fran has skewed some of these stats because they, they've went off the past couple years. They've had, like, four guys that had double digits each team. So, um, you yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I would brags. We would kill for thirty-eight to forty sacks right now in this season or last season. <laughs> yeah. Come on, like it's all about I perspective. I understand our bar is low, yeah. but so it's, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. Put into perspective. But but what he's been able, what he's been doing here has been awful. And I think I think honestly, right, is not all on him. 
It is because he hasn't generated pressure to combat that lack of pass rush. But think about this. Two years, essentially, Poles and company have done nothing with the defensive line really until now, right, with Montez Sweat getting him. He's the first, like, premium mm-hmm. pass rusher they've gotten, right? Yannick, we thought he was going to be a factor, um, really hasn't. But think about that. Two years, Montez Sweat is kind of the only premium option, like your first pick to get um, at defensive line. So it's it's definitely frustrating. So there is a lack of talent, but as a good coach, you have to find ways around that, right? And I think good coaches are able to do that. You look at um, Brian Flores, what he's been able to do for Minnesota this season, right? He's like, listen, Daniel Hunter's a beast. Other than him, we're having trouble um, generating some pressure, right? So what am I going to do? I'm going to bring the house. And it's paid off for him, right? Because he's he's pressured some pretty good quarterbacks, forced him to turn it over, had generated a lot of sacks based off that pressure. So it's just common sense. Obviously, you got to tighten the coverage if you're going to bring the house. But Brian Flores has been successful, especially on their winning streak, on, on dialing up that blitz. Because teams know they get nervous when, when they're playing him because he's bringing the house on them. So I think Eberflus needs to do the same. It's, it's like you can't run the Tampa 2 how you've been running it because you just don't have the personnel for that. So you got to find ways around right. that. Edwards has been successful on blitzes. Sanborn, got to find more ways to generate pressure because it's going to make the back half job that much easier. Yes, sir. Uh, you know what else is going to make it easy to win money with our guys over at DraftKings? Use the code CHGO when you sign up. Who are the pretenders and who are the contenders? We're more than halfway through the season but DraftKings sportsbook is still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game new customers can bet just five on anything to get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets DraftKings isn't stopping there all customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day uh get in on the football action with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl download the the app now and use the code chgo new customers can bet just five dollars on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, 20. And over age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. There's our guys over at DraftKings. Um, I got a couple things here. Uh, we are going to turn it back to quarterbacks. We have a 9.99 super chat from Kentucky Bears fan, and he. Uh, doing a comparison stat game here, more stats for Fields versus Bajan. And he says, Fields first start under Matt Nagy, 388 yards, one, um, what is that? One total touchdown, one INT, 51 co- completion percent, 51% completion percentage, 25 y- rushing yards, and a 72 quarterback rating. Bajan's first three starts. 614 passing yards, four total touchdowns, five interceptions, 67% completion percentage, 93 rushing yards, and a 74.8 
QBR. So while the interceptions are one to five, uh, which favors Fields, the other stats favor Bajent. Your but, thoughts, but, Corey? Yeah, I mean, my thing is like this. Do you think Bajent is the future at quarterback as a starter? Like that that's what I'm just trying to figure out. Obviously, mm-hmm. obviously, Justin Fields, we know he struggled in his first couple games. We know he struggled at times. I think the the talent is there for him. I think I've said this. I said if he goes somewhere else, like if 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 he's up for a trade, if teams teams will want to get him, right? There's a lot of teams that want to yep. get him. I don't think the same would be for Bajan. I, I just don't. Right. So I think, I, I, think I, that's got Gary, I got Gary in the chat saying different offenses, Braggs. I didn't say this. This is a super chat from Kentucky Bears fan. And I understand the game he's playing. Let's let's call out the game he's playing, right? Oh, yeah. He's you know, it it's he's if you're insinuating whether or not Bajan's better than Fields, whatever, but the, the context is yes, you know, Matt Nagy the a parody account Matt Nagy is in our chat and he knows what he did fields in his first game against cleveland uh you know he almost got him killed yeah. and i think they gave him like 12 sacks and he had a 0.23 quarterback rating in that game you know and so the context is missing in that regard at the same time like you know no it, no i don't think anyone should be over gassing who tyson bajan is but at the same time even you said it earlier there were things he did well against the saints, <laughs> even Definitely. with the four turnovers, he made some yeah. nice throws. He got out of the pocket, uh, made some nice plays with his legs, uh, um, you know, and, and you can see the light as far as who he can be as a developmental quarterback. Uh, he's a long ways away from being Gardner Minshew, who Carm keeps trying to make comparisons to, or Brock, <laughs> Brock Purdy, who's in the best, you know, situation in the next, National Football League, you know, he's a long ways from that. But is there things to be optimistic about about Tyson Bajan's game? Absolutely. And I don't think saying that means it's an indictment on Fields. Fields has a lot of things to prove on his own accordance, and we've talked about this even here tonight. Um, how he started his career under Matt Nagy really doesn't have any relevance towards what what Tyson Bajan has done. I mean you know, uh, don't get me wrong when I'm saying this, because in no way, shape or form am I comparing him to Peyton Manning, but Peyton Manning threw 30 interceptions his rookie year. So like everybody has a different scale for their learning curve and maybe Tyson Bajan can find his way into this league and be, I don't, I don't really know what he can be, but can he stick around for 10 years? Can he be Chase Daniels? was a perennial backup but made a lot of money in this league or could he elevate beyond that and be Gardner Minshew and and find his way to start for some teams or Taylor Heineke you know uh who went to uh the the Falcons this year somebody like that right you know I don't I don't you know I think those are potentials for him there's no um I don't think we should have to downplay who Tyson Bajan is to lift Justin Fields up and, and and it goes the other way I don't think we need to you know, if you feel optimistic about Tyson Bajan, that doesn't mean you have to denigrate uh, Justin Fields. And we kind of pit ourselves against each other when it comes to the quarterback. It's, it's, it's the media, man. Today. You know, they, they created. Uh, well, it's Carm. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, I, I, think, I, think, I think in general, um, people just got excited because the, the jury's still been out about Justin Fields. I mean, that's that's just the reality of it, right? Some people aren't sold to him. 
other people are like, you know, in my in my boat, like he's got the talent that's off the charts, right? When when they've game plan for him, he's done amazing, right? When the times that he doesn't, they don't. It's like it doesn't matter if Bajan or Fields are there. Like it, it wouldn't matter if Josh Allen or, or any of these quarterbacks are there. They wouldn't do well because Getsy has just been so inconsistent. And and that's the most frustrating part because you thought he figured it out last year, right? We thought they figured out the recipe, get him on the move. And yes, obviously he ran like crazy, but you look at the games he did well this year, Denver and Washington. He really did. He he wasn't even close to running how he did last year. He was actually in the pocket. He was on the move a little bit, really showcasing what he can do with his arm. So I think that's the most frustrating part is because we're going to, we're going to finish this year and not really know, uh, or have clarity about the quarterback position, most likely, right? Unless unless he turns it around and, and they game plan well, he lights it up, and then all of a sudden, well, people say, well, you know, the thing is, nothing really mattered this season. They, you know, they weren't playing for anything, and th- there's so many different factors. So I think it's it's yeah. Tough I mean, I I, I think evaluate. that well, and I I've and I've said that I, I I it's I don't even know if there is a threshold that just builds can surpass to convince not me who gives a shit what I think about what Ryan Poles thinks specifically if they have the number one or number two pick we're talking because he didn't, dra- the, he didn't the hypotheticals well he didn't draft them and mm-hmm. it, it, we're talking hypotheticals that may not end up working out so it might end up being a work moot point but if they do have one of those top two picks you know Justin Fields could play great to end the year and Ryan Poles could sit there and say well you know I got to reset the because I, I, as much as I love you, Justin, every year you've been with me, you've gotten hurt. You know what I mean? That's, that's the other, it's even beyond mm-hmm. what his ability is on the field. Or if they do to tr- do decide to change head coach and offensive play caller, would those coaches want to come into a situation mm-hmm. where Justin Fields is in a make it or break it year, or you have yeah. your choice at a rookie quarterback and you can start fresh with that. That's, the other variable so there's a lot of different you know things that have to go what, into motion what about uh at- what, what about Tua though right he's a guy that uh before McDaniel came back right before McDaniel came as head coach yep. they were a guy they wanted to toss to the side we're done with him he can't play he's trash and then all of a sudden Mike McDaniel perfect coordinator for him scripts him for success they go out and get Tyreek Hill who's one of the best weapons in the league and then all of a sudden He's an MVP candidate these past two years. So I think yep. that's very telling. So obviously, right, there's some quarterbacks that can play in in any system. Right? Like Aaron Rodgers, I think he's a guy, you know, when he's healthy, he's got that Achilles, but could play in any system, right, and play well because he's he's just that talented. He knows the ins and outs of everything. And there's some people that you have to script for success for them. You have to get them confident, and that's how they play well. You know, I think Jalen Hurts, that was a big reason for his success, right? I'm not taking anything away from him, but they surrounded him with great talent, and they game plan very well to suit his strengths. And his, his numbers don't blow you away by any means. Like, he very rarely throws for 300-plus, very rarely throws for 250-plus, right? I think his stats are, are usually in the low twos, but he's very efficient, Right. He's, he's able to run the football. He's able to get the ball on the field, the AJ Brown and company. So it's, it's, it's just so tough because the talent is there for Justin Fields. I think everybody, everybody, whether, whether they're a fan of his or not, they see the talent there. Now it's about it coming out and being consistent with it. And the other knock too is, is wins and losses, right? Because ultimately as a quarterback, that's how you judge wins and losses. 
So that's the big thing too. But you can make an argument that the talent these, these past two years hasn't been, you know, the, the year before it was what it was, but these past two years, the talent has just not been there, right? He didn't have a number one receiver last year. This year, we were really hoping for everything. DJ Moore and company, Cole Komet another year under the belt. You got the right tackle. You got three really good running backs. So it's just so frustrating because you're like, this is a year that was just supposed to be a big improvement offensively. Yeah, and it's, it's been like this, yeah, it's been a, up and down. It's been a huge disappointment. Um, certainly thought he was going to take the next step. And then, you know, the first four games, I, you know, broke me uh, as a fan of this team, but you know, they pulled themselves off the mat against Washington. And, and then, you know, he has another, you know, he had another big game against Denver and those stats started to elevate and you're like, okay, he's back on track back to what we thought would be an, you know, a step in the right direction in his improvement. And then he gets hurt against Minnesota. And it's just like, it just feels like uh bad luck has started to become yeah. the story of his career here, which is unfortunate. Yeah. So yeah, after the season, I, I, I mean, there's a lot of variables it's, it's and I know tough. we, we talk about it a million times and it, it gets to the point where it is. I'm almost with Hogue that it gets annoying because we just can't, we, I keep saying the same things over and over uh, circumstances aren't really going to change all that much week week. So it's impossible to not pay attention to those things. I mean, even this week we're playing the Carolina Panthers and this has huge draft implications. This game mm. does, you yeah. know, and, so it's 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 the elephant in the room that is impossible to to not pay attention to but at the same time it does become very the conversation becomes very redundant oh, um because it's the reality after the season like it is it's the yeah, reality it is so. it is i mean braxton's got a lot to prove the coach has got a lot to prove justin's got things to prove you know they, yeah. they're all got to prove something or there is a opportunity for Ryan Poles to make changes at all those spots here this upcoming offseason whether he believed in those guys or not I see T3P ask me as, like how do you not see that you know JF1's his guy he got DJ Moore he signed PJ Walker to be his backup and all. yeah but he also has an easy out clause to potentially where oh, yeah. this pick falls but again again that's a hypothetical and isn't set in stone yeah. they do not they are not guaranteed the number one or number two pick, even if it feels likely. So we'll just have to let the chips yeah. fall where they may. I do want to ask you before we get out of here, something that really caught buzz on Saturday, which was Caleb Williams uh, really seemed to be getting it from certain points of uh, social media where he was caught on camera after his loss in a shootout against Washington, uh, where Caleb Williams and Michael Penix uh, really put on a show. And after the game was over, Caleb was in the stands, you know, hugging his parents and, and crying pretty hard. I mean, he had his face covered with his mom was covering his face with a uh, sheet of paper, but you could clearly tell he was sobbing. Um, I'm just curious to know from your perspective as a player, what you thought of that is that like for some fans, they're like, I don't want like, that was something that I don't want that kind of mentality on my team. Other guys, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt. He's a kid, yeah. tough loss. He wears his heart on his sleeve. And I'm just curious what your thoughts were when you saw that. I, I thought that's his last college game. That's what he was crying about. I don't think he's going to play the rest of the season because that was a big game for them, for implications of potentially, um, you know, going far in the in the playoffs. Like, at that point, like, there, there's no chance of them making the Pac-10, uh, Pac-12, 
title, uh, no no chance of college football. So I think it was probably his last college game. Wow. If I'm him, I shut it wow. down. What, what, what do you have to, to prove at this point? Is he going to elevate his draft stock? No. What's what's the worst thing that can happen? He gets injured. Yep. So if I'm him, I'm saying, hey, guys, I gave it my all. I tried to lead us to the promised land. I came up short. But you understand, this is a business decision right now. I love y'all. Um, you know, but I, I got to do his best for myself. And that, that's the reality of it. Like, it would be a travesty if he got rolled up in a game and had a, had a career-ending injury or something that impacted him for next year. It's just like the bowl games, right? People thought that was yep. controversial when Christian McCaffrey and uh, Leonard Fournette sat out, right? After, um, who's, who's the guy from the Cowboys that that hurt his game from Notre uh, hurt his knee from Notre Dame? What's yes. Smith from Notre Dame. Exactly, right? And and that changed. And that was brutal. That yeah. was brutal to watch. Listen, he had a great NFL career, but his, his knee probably will never be the same. Like, it, that, that was awful, right? So you're understanding that guys are thinking about, hey, I have to maximize my future, right? And I think the guys on this team are going to understand because people say, oh, he's not a team player. No, the, the, th the thing is, like in football, you're one, one injury away from something impacting you for the it's rest a, of your life. It's yeah. A, it's a yeah, it's a business. Yes, he wants to be there for his teammates, but he also has to look out for his personal investment and, and lifetime earning for his family. Exactly. So if, so if I were him, I would sit out the rest of the season. Like, I don't know. Like It's interesting. You, you think he should play? So what do you say? What so what? So what do you? No, I mean I I totally understand where you're coming from in that regard. And I I don't know. I mean I haven't been able to pay too close attention to the the college you know conversations surrounding it, but I haven't heard anybody bring that aspect of it up. So I think that's really interesting and a and a good observation. Mm -hmm. Um, what I mean, what do you say to somebody here like T3P calling him a soft crybaby? What would you say to him? I mean, I mean the thing is right like. He's 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 played he's played his heart out for that team. He's trying to lead him to victory, and I think it was his last game. So you yeah you're gonna get emotional. So some people handle it different. Like I, I don't I don't think anyone's soft if they if they cry emotionally after a game because they wanted to win. Like I think that's a good thing, right? Like you wanted to win that game. You're you're disappointed in it, and um, yeah, like I don't know. I, I think people get too caught up about you know this, that, and the other, like emotion happens, right? Like we've seen, we've seen grown men, coaches, players in the NFL cry after a game, tears of joy, tears of, so does that make them soft? They're a cry baby. No, I mean, emotion is real. It's raw. And you never know how, how it's going to unfold, right? Like when people get married, they cry or, you know, if something, something happens, one of their kids does something well, they get some emotional, like, are you soft because of that? It's an, it's a real emotion. So my thing is like this, you can't knock somebody um for, for crying, right? Like that's that's what he felt at that time. Robert Robert Freel in the chat saying grown men cry to say otherwise is some toxic crap. And that's coming from Robert Freel, who's been very toxic to me here in the last 24 hours and making me want to cry. He keeps saying that I shouldn't work here, that I belong in the chat because I have such terrible takes, Corey, and it really hurt my feelings. Oh, and I'm gonna, Robert, you know, why, why, I, you, know, why you do that? Why you do that to Braggs, Robert? <laughs> he's mad at me because he he says that I've turned on fields. So now he tells me every day in the chat that I belong in the chat and that I shouldn't be on yeah. the shows anymore. Yeah, and that really hurts my feelings. L listen, the, the reality is, and and I, I think everyone has to address this. I think, uh, see, there we go. See, he said sorry. Um, <laughs> I think the thing is, like everybody has to realize, right? 
whether you're a Fields fan, whether you're not, however you feel about it, the reality is they're going to have to make a decision. That's just the reality. Yep. And we all know that's yep. coming. And yeah, we'll, we'll see as time goes. But like I said, like we talked about, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they go, if they decide to part ways with them. I, yeah. I don't know. You really don't I know. feel you there, man. Um, be interesting. we got a short week. Uh, Thursday night football here coming up. Bears versus Panthers. See if Justin Fields can return. A lot of players returning to the Chicago Bears. So uh, definitely uh, interested to see that development. I'm hoping that Justin Fields can come back because he's only got so many games here to where we can try to get an understanding of where this franchise is going to go and how this quarterback situation is going to shake out how the coaching situation is going to shake out. Uh, so just a lot of questions that need to be answered. Uh, and you always do a good job of answering questions. Um, what, so somebody said in the chat, they cried at Titanic. Have you ever cried at a movie? All the time, bro. All the time? Bro, if, Don't I, lie. I, I, Don't I see, be silly. What movie can you tell me specifically that you've cried at? The Green Mile. I'll tell you. Mine. Oh my gosh, the Green Mile when when they put him on death row. I was like, <laughs> I was I was ugly crying, man. That was so sad. Are you oh. ugly crying? You ugly cry? It's not Dude. just like a few tears. Like no, no, no yeah. Is it like a hyperventilating cry? Dude, that 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 one got me. That that one really got me. Uh, and then the one the I one cry, that, I the, cried at I cried at Marley and me. We'll trade crying. Okay, stories. I cried at Marley and me. Uh, I had just gotten my dog at that time. And I'll never forget it because it was the day before the Bears played the Texans, the final game of the year when Kyle Orton was still the quarterback and the Bears had a chance to make the playoffs. Mm. And for the last 10 minutes of that movie, I put my head in my hands and just like, I was like, I'm not paying attention to this movie because it's making me emotional. And, <laughs> and yeah, so I, I did cry during that movie. Didn't you cry on Sunday after? The no, I didn't <laughs> cry. Like a T three Carm sent me a video of you boohooing. I didn't cry. I, I don't know what you're you like guys this, are this is supposed to be brick by brick. It's not <laughs> <laughs> Rogue uh, four ninety nine super chat. Uh, I remain big on fields, but not hopeful it will work out in Chicago. I hope he gets traded. If he gets traded, it's to the Atlanta Falcons. That could be an option, right? Is Cooley high a movie to maybe? T3P is Cooley High a movie? Yes. I don't know. It, it is okay. I've never seen it. He, old T3P's, school, old, I think, old school saying, movie. Okay. He's saying, I think he's saying he cried during that movie. Um, I, yeah, I'm an emotional guy. So I've, I've cried many times in my life. And yeah. I did cry when my wife walked down the aisle. Those brick, but that was mostly because I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not like most, most bricklayers are, are, are not emotional. Are actually tough. Oh, okay. No, they're they're intoxicated. <laughs> they're oh, okay. So they're, they're laying the bricks intoxicated. Yeah, pack. sometimes. Yeah, a couple. Those are the guys um, I see at Seven Eleven all the time getting those. Tall a packs couple beer, uh, maybe a beer, maybe a beer or two, coffee mug. Exactly, the tall, um, the tall boys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I cried when my wife came down the aisle, but that was mostly because I I realized that I had tricked her into marrying me, and I didn't really deserve her. That was that's the honest truth. See, I just gave everyone yeah. honest truth. Here I, I met chat. your wife; she's awesome. I don't, I don't know what she was thinking. With and you. you and you know. Oh, that she that I didn't deserve her. So, all right. Well, I'll let you go. We were going to cut it short, but we had so much to talk about. We were having fun here at the end. Uh, appreciate you as always, Corey. Uh, hopefully, we can we can uh, see a Bears win here on Thursday. They need it in more ways than one. 
Uh, I need to keep the Panthers uh, uh, as the worst team in the NFL, or at least fighting for it. So we'll see what happens there. Thank you all for tuning in. Please hit that like button on your way out, Robert Friel. And uh, please subscribe if you haven't already tried the race to 50K. Uh, so we'll talk to you soon. We'll be back tomorrow at noon with Mark Carmen and Adam Hogue, myself. And until then, bear down. Oh, 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 oh,